Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. I'm Pia, a passionate food consultant who is learning how to build my business while raising my young family. And I'm Kaya, dedicated business coach and enthusiastic yogi. It's our mission to help working mothers redefine the way they work and reimagine what is possible. We aim to be raw and real about the challenges and highlights we experience on our journeys of motherhood, business and life and hope that by sharing what we've learned, we can help you too. Welcome to new, a new episode of the She's Electric podcast. This is one of our classic catch-up episodes as lots has been going on in both mine and Pia's worlds. So why don't you kick us off, Pia? How are you doing? How's your week been? I am on a high because today is the last day of my client work before I finished up for maternity leave. Whoop, whoop. I know I'm just like, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, You're like, I'm, I'm on a high and I'm just so exhausted. <laughs> I, oh my God. I am mentally and emotionally just feel beaten up and I just, I am ready to take my foot off the accelerator. I leave the work stuff behind and start really focusing on getting myself ready for labor, getting my house ready, getting the baby's room ready, all these things. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out of my masculine energy, which has been driving me forward to build the business. And now I'm going more into my feminine. I just want to celebrate that you've made it like you've made it to the last it. day. I know. I swear to God, Kaya, there were times over the last three weeks I always knew September was going to be the, the hardest slog because I had all these projects to deliver. And some of them got delayed because we're waiting on grant funding from the Irish government. So things like that, they just get delayed. But then all of my projects that I was hoping to do over August, September, all got moved into September. When people talk about running marathons and you hit that wall and you just can't go on. <laughs> I swear to God, I hit that in work. <laughs> Where it's, I just... I was working late every night, just trying to get all these client projects over the line. And I ended up getting sick, which of course I just, I wasn't looking after myself, but it's funny, like as my energy went down and as I got uh, more depleted, that's when I noticed those voices in my head, the the judge mm. was getting much, much stronger. Yeah. And I ended up with a really bad chest infection. And I thought, yeah, stupidly, I, when you think you can fight it yourself, I was like, I'm just going to go to bed early a few nights. I'm going to have ginger shots. And it's, it was a really bad chest infection. I woke up one day, I could barely breathe. I put work back so much because I just couldn't get the work done. I had absolutely zero energy. So I went and I got antibiotics and then I started to slowly get a little bit, start to feel a little bit better. But uh, it was funny. I'd spent the entire weekend in bed. I was so depleted of energy and I was feeling terrible. And that's when the judge started talking in what I always find. The judge talks in really ambiguous terminology. So yes. it'll say things like, I'm so busy. Or it'll be like, of course I got sick. Or it'll say, I have no time. I'm, I'm never going to finish up my, my maternity leave on time. And it's like what I've noticed about the judge is it speaks in this ambiguous language, which makes you feel hopeless. Yeah, I was lying in bed feeling hopeless and Stephen came in to me and was like 
in a really nice way. Maybe you should just get out of bed. And sometimes when you're stewing, <laughs> it can make you feel worse, which I just find so funny because usually Stephen calls me the engine. that I'm the one who would be getting people out of bed. Um, but he went and he said, oh, look, I'm going to take Enzo away for a few hours. You just take some rest. And it was in that moment when he left, I was like, you know what? He's absolutely right. I have been stewing here for the last few days. And energy flows where energy goes. And I was putting all my energy into how bad I'm feeling, how little time I have, how many client projects I have. So I kicked myself up the ass and I said, I'm just going to do one thing today that is going to make me feel like I've accomplished something. And so I went and I just cleaned my kitchen. The house was just such a mess. And so I got up, I did that. I made a really nice dinner for us all, cleaned the kitchen. And it was amazing. I actually was starting to feel a lot better. And then it's that little bit of energy that I gave myself. I sat down and I was like, okay, so I'm telling myself all these lies about I have no time. I am too busy. I have too many client projects. How can we separate fact from fiction? So what exactly is taking up my time? What exactly is keeping me busy? What do I have to do between now and the 30th? So I wrote it all out and I realized I had four projects to deliver, but most of the work within those projects had actually been done. I just needed to collate it and put it together into final reports. So it's when it was all sitting there in front of me, I realized I wasn't as busy as I thought. I did have more time than I was telling myself. And actually the situation was far less hopeless than I'd previously said. It's really interesting listening to you recount that. First of all, I'm like, Stephen has been listening because he was ready to replay back to you your <laughs> exactly. sage wisdom at the time when you needed it. When it's I, like, I needed it. Actually, a ginger shot is not going to cut it here. Yeah, exactly. Had a chest infection, but it's not all gone to shit. But also the power of identifying first that there is a voice and what the voice is saying to you Mm. because otherwise it's almost like we're just we're absorbing everything the voice is saying to us and it's becoming the truth and it's becoming our identity and it's becoming the reality that our reality when actually you know pulling out what this what the judge was saying you can then work through those questions like you did and realize what what reality actually exists and that's it exactly with all of these things it's about having an awareness that you're falling back into old patterns and I think everybody falls back into old patterns when they're depleted which is why it is so important that we all manage our energy because if we don't manage our energy then we're not able to fight these behaviors and these patterns and it's easier to fall back into that way of thinking It took a a lot of energy for me to sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to just catalog what's going on in my head right now. Sure. Negative emotions are easy, like going into that place because it's so familiar. We've spent so much time there. And the thing what you're reminding me and reminding other people listening to this is that there's no kind of end goal. There's no magic time in la la land. This stuff's never going to happen to me again. This is a life practice. And as you said, it's knowing that when you're depleted, that is the time when you need to be on the lookout for these saboteurs, the voices in your head that are going to be mm-hmm. tearing you down. You're absolutely right. It's a life practice. And people think when we're talking about these things, they say things like, you're just so good at that. No, I'm not so good at this. I fall back all the time. But there is a pattern that I see. If I don't look after myself, if I don't take time for 
shutting down my brain through meditation, if I don't take time for a bit of natural movement throughout my day, if I don't take space in my day and I just fill everything up with looking after Enzo, looking after Stephen, cooking dinners for the house, all my client work, and I put everybody else in front of me, then that's when I deplete my energy and that's when I fall back into those patterns. I think we've, we talked on a recent episode about the value of asking yourself, how do you want to feel today? Mm. And my three favorite questions for just really basic journaling are like, what do you want? How do you want to feel? And the last one, which I think what you're talking about really captures why this can be such a powerful question is what can I do for myself today? Mm. And often we're so focused on the work that we've got to do, the household that we have to manage, the children that we have to pour into, our relationship. And there's this thing over here, which is you, you peer, you the individual, like you yourself. And every single day, what can you do for yourself today? What small thing can you do for yourself that's not about moving all of those other needles that's just about pouring into you Mm. and that just one small action can really shift the scales and it can make you feel not the proverbial you the you Mm. for all of us just a bit more cared for yeah I, I don't think these practices are difficult little things that you do consistently that move the needle so whether that's in the middle of your day when you have meeting after meeting, stepping out and getting outside, getting some sun in the morning is really important. What I've been doing, and it's actually been game changing for me, is that app that we love, Superhuman app. So there's a, a morning one. It's nine minutes long and it's just a walking meditation called Wake Up Your Body and Mind. It's been such bad weather in Ireland, so I haven't been getting out for walks, but I've just been walking around my house with my headphones on listening to this. It's the first thing I do at about six in the morning. And I've been doing it every single morning. And it just gets me from feeling when I wake up. Exactly. And she has you focus on what am I grateful for? And just gets you to like really tune into your body and slowly start to wake it up. And then the the power of the music goes up a bit more. And by the end, you're like arms in the air. (laughs) Anyone would think I'm absolutely crazy. It's completely dark in the house and I'm feeling super duper happy. And I'm just excited for my day. And that's a nine minute practice. Anybody can do things like that. And I remember when we were voice noting last week when you were Mm. kind of in the swirls of everything going on. And then you told me one day you were like, I I, I got out and I went down to the beach straight Mm. away. And it's so funny because it's so often when I hear you moving yourself out of feeling hopeless what yeah. you do is it's often the same thing you're just like I went to the beach yeah. I did this thing for myself first thing in the morning it wasn't yeah. about getting exercise in it wasn't about this thing on my checklist gotta do it was yeah. just what do I feel like and it's that's like a coming home practice and it's what I have found is that when you have all these things on your to-do list and you're like no I'm not leaving until I get it done you end up just sitting there and doing this half-assed kind of work and it's not good quality work so what I've really gotten better at over the last few years is going okay I've hit a wall here I'm not getting anywhere and I'm feeling overwhelmed so I'm just going to take 15 minutes I'm going to go down to the beach I'm going to walk I'm going to get some air and I'm going to come back refreshed and with new ideas and that always works yeah I think it's a lot of the time I find myself falling into that trap where you think you wake up in the morning where you've got 
a level of anxiety already surging through you and you're like I've got to go there's so much and actually it's like the energy that you're bringing into the way that you're approaching your work and approaching the things that you've got to do is like hysterical like anxiety and you spend the time by going on a walk to save time because it's literally like you never get back from a work walk and you're like why did I do that why did I waste the time you always come back and you're like your mind is cleared Mm-hmm. let some of that energy out mm. and yeah. you're coming back with a higher level of ability to focus absolutely and this is why I think the practice of writing I know you're huge into journaling and it's not the practice that I've taken on consistently but when my brain is too busy that's the time when it's like pen to paper I need to write out what exactly is causing me anxiety here what's exactly is making me feel like I'm busy And what I find always when I write it out, I realize there's not as much there as I thought there was when it was all just jumbling around in my head. You hit the nail on the head. I think like our mind is an absolute mansion. It's so big and there's so many like, yeah, everything just is floating around in there. And funnily enough, a lot of people in response to the podcast, one of the most common questions that I've been getting is about journaling. So this Mm. is a good opportunity to just expand on that a little bit. A couple of things I'd love to say here is that If this is something that you're like, this sounds great. I hear people talking about this all the time. I'm interested, but I don't know how. What Mm. does that practice actually look like? I would say to you that I've got three tips here. The first one is what Pia just alluded to. Just doing a brain dump in the morning. So just getting everything out of your head onto a piece of paper. And this literally, it's like a to-do list, but without it being a to-do list, it's a brain dump. So you just writing down all of the things that are floating around in your head and then looking at that and seeing if you want to group the things together, if you want to circle a couple of things that are actually important, that is a, a useful to start. The second thing, if you wanted to take it a a step deeper, would be to just answer those three questions that I talked about earlier on. And they are, what do I want? How do I want to feel? And what can I do for myself today? And what's really powerful about using these three questions repetitively over a kind of two to four week time period is that when you first start, you you don't even know what you want and your responses will change on a day-to-day basis, but you will begin to notice some themes emerging and that will be very powerful for you to see. I think that a lot of people begin to notice that there's particular emotions that are coming up for them about how they want to feel, whether it's peaceful, whether it's calm or it's connected. It's going to give you insight into what's missing at the moment, What what's something that you feel drawn to. And then that last bit, which we, we just spoke about, what can I do for myself today? That's just getting you laser focused on the fact that you're a person who deserves time and attention for yourself. And I think that's something that mums often forget, women often forget. And that focus is just going to plant a seed in your mind for you to make the time to do a small thing for yourself today small steps is all we're looking for when you take a small step on a regular basis towards looking after yourself towards identifying what emotions you are are lacking in your life and clarity on what it is that you want those small steps do move you forward they move the needle and then the third tip that I would love to offer is that 
I, and again, I think we talked about this in the last podcast, like anything that we talk about on this podcast, we do not have any sponsors. We're talking about the things that we use and we love for real in our lives. So my absolute like top tip is this app called Superhuman. I am an OG user of this app. I've been using it for years. I've turned peer onto it. Many of my friends, I've also, and clients recommended it too. And it is a, it's an investment. That's for sure. You can check it out for yourself. But on this app, it's a meditation app, but it's so much more than that. They have got these incredible journaling, writing meditations on there. And these are the kind of Rolls Royce of journaling they have got cinematic music they're going to take you on a journey and if you're ready to take this practice to a different level this is a form of self-coaching for sure then I would really recommend giving the app a go and actually you can try it for free Um, and at the moment they have a like a special offer on where you can get six weeks for free if you use the code podcast. Um, And that's nothing to do with our podcast. That's to do with the founder's own offer that she put on her podcast. Even if you just go on the app, you'll easily be able to access the two weeks. And if you use that code podcast, you will get six weeks for free. And I I just can't recommend this app enough. Yeah, I'll just caveat right when Kaya put me onto this um, app, I hated it at the start (laughs) because I just felt it was like quite, it was just a little bit lofty for me and I was going in a little bit more cynical. But one thing I will say, Kaya kept saying stick with it. So I asked him for an extension on the free trial and I stuck with it. And once I was doing it for about six weeks, I realized how incredible it is. It starts to get into you by osmosis and you start to realize after a couple of weeks that you're feeling so much better every day um, and you start to just ignore the kind of very aspirational side and that cynicism and that internal judge starts to go down because you realize just it, that it is working. So that's my advice is to stick with it. But I love that you gave those tips, Kaya, because to me, you are the journaling expert and it's something that I have always struggled with. But one thing I'd like to expand on there, because it's this is the how this showed up in my life over the last two weeks. When I was lying in bed in a heap and <laughs> like a pity party with myself, instead of going, oh, I need to clean the house. I just asked myself, how is it that I want to feel? And I was like, I want to feel like I have energy again. And I said, I want to feel like I, I, I want to feel calm in an uncluttered home. So rather than telling myself, you need to clean the house, I went, OK, so how could I cultivate that feeling? And I was like, Pia, get out of bed and just do something. And I was like, oh, a great thing to do would be to actually <laughs> unclutter this home. And but just create a sanctuary. Create an oasis of calm. And just by changing the lens on it that little bit, it made me excited to do it. Totally. So that's just how that practice shows up in, in real life. It's don't give yourself a to-do list of I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. How do you want to feel? I love that. So Kaya, you've moved to Spain. So can you give us an update? Yeah, we arrived two days ago. I think we've been here. This is my second day. Mm. And it's been a wild old ride. I think Mm. that it's still, the grief is fresh. So that's still something that is a journey uh, for both me and my husband. But these experiences that are very big life experiences that we have 
or that happened to people, different ones. Um, it's just, it's so unbelievable when you're in it, what the actual experience is like. So I think one of the things that I've been experiencing in the last kind of month, even since it all happened, is that there's this devastating loss of mm -hmm. my son. And then simultaneously happening is this really deep connection with my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. And it's this, my heart's broken. And yet there's also this like expansive filling of my heart. Mm -hmm. And in the lead up to us going away, I just had this amazing time hanging out with my family. Yeah. And it's, it was so, the energy that's like in my family at the moment is so loving yeah. and really pure and supportive. And that is, that's such a gift. I just can't remember the last time that I felt so loved. Yeah. And I think that I felt so connected with each of the individual members of my immediate family. And that's really precious to me. I've had um, quite a lot of time with my mom and my sister and my dad, but particularly my sister. And I think it is a gift that's happening in this situation. So it, it, it's a wild old ride. I think mm. I've talked about it multiple times, but having the hypnosis, treating that trauma, like sometimes I really want to just be with my son and I'll spend mm. an hour just looking at photos of him. And if you looked at photos of your son, they yeah. make me feel really happy. And every time I look at his face, he's literally, he was a very photogenic child. He was mm. always smiling. Yeah. And in yeah. every photo, he just looks so happy. And I think that it's, there is this suction that happens to pull me into the tragedy, like the trauma part of it, that that always exists. And sometimes it it does suck me in and it knocked me out last week for yeah. you know a good three days. And they were three really challenging days uh, for me. And on those days, it was just put one foot in front of the other. And it yeah. was it was a struggle to get out of bed. But you've just got to get, I have to get through those days and know that's not the new normal. It doesn't last forever. And actually, that's not the main place where I'm spending my time. It's a possibility. And I know that I could wake up feeling like that. But I also know that I have, I spend a lot of time, as I said, in that place of just feeling, looking at my son and just feeling like I love him so much and like what a gift he was. Yeah. And separating, I think in the hypnotherapy process, separating his life from the trauma yeah. was very powerful because I want to talk about him. I want to look at him and I want to be really connected with his life and that being part of my story and my life, but on the trauma, I don't know yeah. that. And that's something that I need to treat. But as you were talking earlier about your own saboteurs, I think that I have been doing my mental fitness training has been something I really need to be laser focused on at the moment. Yeah. And I need to be doing those practices continually through the day. So this is a program that I use with my clients. I'm a mental fitness coach. And this program uses an application to basically reprogram your brain. So neuroplasticity is about the fact that what you do today is creating the brain that you're going to have tomorrow. 
And so I have been the voices that Pierre and I were talking about earlier. The master saboteur is the judge for everybody, but there's eight different saboteurs. And victim I talked about previously has been showing up for me. So I've been doing a lot of work on that, been showing up in not that I'm a victim in this situation with losing my son. Funnily enough, it's always about my husband. I'm like always victimized, like he's wrongdoing me. Mm -hmm. But the other one that's been showing up for me that I was not noticing as much is my hyperachiever. I am just like abusing myself about Mm -hmm. what a failure I am. I've got all of this time now and what am I, what have I got to show for it? What am I, the fact that I'm not on top of work stuff. And I think that it was actually in a, I think we were voice noting last week and I Mm. I was probably offering it to you about what about all the things that you have achieved? Yeah, And it's really a useful practice for everybody. I do this as part of weekly planning, which interesting that my hyperachiever is high and I haven't been doing weekly planning for the last couple of weeks is that in that I'm always like what did I achieve last week and I write a list of 10 to 15 things and when I write that list I'm always like wow like you have so much stuff done yeah and it's because I'm not doing that if I'm not consciously bringing my mind into that reflection and and encouraging it to look at the things that I have done, the place that's comfortable, the place that's familiar is reminding myself of what I haven't done and what piece Mm -hmm. of shit I am and how lazy I am and how shit I am. And it's, I'm on the floor in a hopeless kind of mess as well, if I'm listening to that voice. Completely. And what you described there is just, it's such a beautiful description of the roller coaster that is grief, that it like, you're having a great day, and you're laughing and you're connecting with your family. There's this huge silver lining that has come out of this experience that, and I really saw that when I was over for the funeral, that your family decided, and it's a decision to lean into love, to lean into telling stories about Luca's life instead of focusing on the trauma and the grief of his death. And so that's a huge silver lining. But then in, in the same week, you can be pulled back into that feeling of hopelessness Mm. and it's just like when I was run down it's like when you are more vulnerable and you're more run down it's so much easier to default back into those negative patterns because as you said they're familiar they're easy and the actual trick and and the difficult thing is to acknowledge them recognize that this is happening and then shift your focus onto how is it that I want to feel and so journaling has been like so Mm. grounding and powerful for me at the moment and I'm really into values and as are many people who coach because we understand that's where you create your identity from and my personal values I think for anyone who knows me they know me as somebody who is really disciplined and that's Mm. something that I am that I find easy, that I know that other people find hard. And it really is the essence of who I am is extremely disciplined. It's very consistent. And I noticed recently always going to be a part of me, but the thing that that there's a couple of other values that have been coming up for me recently on repeat. And one of them is fun. Yeah. And you know, it's like when I'm visualizing my life for the future, I noticed that I really struggle to get out of my ego And my Mm. ego is about being the best, right? It's about bigger and better and big lofty dreams. And then there's the, it's again connected to how do you want to feel? And it's, I I want it to feel fun. 
I want my life to just be really full mm, and yeah. full of fun. And I think being really a great, a great thing to fall back on is when I'm being really serious and like flogging myself about all of these yeah. things I need to do. I'm like, this is like the least amount of fun I could possibly have yeah. is chaining myself to my desk and dragging myself through all of these things I have to do. That's not mm. fun. No. And when I think about just making everything more fun it's bringing some lightness to it and just stop taking myself so seriously I think that does happen when we run our own business is we just take ourselves so seriously everything is over analyzed every con that goes out every interaction every proposal that we (laughs) send to a client it's just it's cringy how seriously we take ourselves right I think it's not even just people who are self-employed. I think in business and in the workplace, we just make it so serious. And it's something that I'm always saying to my clients because I'm a big part of my work is I get them to do a values exercise. So usually when they come to me, their values are words on a page like authenticity, integrity (laughs) and empathy. And I'm like, okay. So what does that mean? If you're bringing in new hires into the business and they're just seeing the word empathy, what that means, absolutely nothing to them. So I I got a client of mine recently to do this. And actually, it's something that I want to do even in my own household, which is to look at the values that they had for the business. And what I said, I want you to go to every single department and every department lead is going to host this session and say, okay, these are our values. What we had was words like, innovation but then I took it a step further and I I created a sentence beside it so I said innovation we lead we don't follow because this is a food brand and they want to lead the market so I gave them that little bit of a insight into what the word meant and then it was a translation and then everybody in the business was tasked to say okay so how can you show up with integrity how can you show up uh, being innovative how can you show up with empathy what does that look like in your department And what they sent me back was in every single department, purchasing, hospitality, everything, all the values of how they were going to show up and how the team was going to show up. And I was speaking to my client there and he just said, Pia, this has been the most incredible exercise. It's gotten certain people in the business really excited. He said, other people have been dragging their heels. And I said, that is exactly what happens when you do these very strong values exercises within a business it's going to be really inspiring to some people who share in those values. And it's going to feel toxic to people who don't share in the values. And they need to leave. And they need to leave. Absolutely. So that's why it is such a powerful way of actually cultivating more fun in your business, because you're surrounded by people who have different skill sets, but they have similar values and similar attitudes. And it's something that definitely it's a really good barometer to have on your day. One of my values is fun. Like what am I doing today to cultivate fun? Yeah, it is useful because I think as you were saying that, it's like you can do that exercise in your own life. That's Mm. not just for businesses. It's, Mm -mm. and I like to think about this too, as a, a because I really believe that values are an evolutionary thing. They're not fixed and they're not just about who you are. They're about who you're becoming And so when you're ready to step into that next elevated version of you, what is the value that you need to Mm -hmm. cultivate? And whilst I think that I am fun, I need to cultivate that fun in my life now. It's not rippling out in all directions because I think when you have 
a young child and when you start a business you're in the engine stage like you're all about action and pushing yourself and I think that there's different values that serve you at that time like discipline but actually like the the tuning in to what's this new elevated version of myself what are the values that they have that are different to where I'm at right now and then thinking about what the exercise that you just described which is what does that actually mean Mm -hmm. yeah so what is an expression of that in action yeah yeah and that's your roadmap isn't it that's your roadmap. And it's, I literally have it as my screensaver. I'm looking at it right now. I can see my vision board for 2023. And I have my three values, which is kindness, freedom, and health. And it's Stephen and I have this rule with each other that we always speak to each other kindly. Like we never call each other names. It's just, it's something that we just don't do. And Enzo's kind of gotten, when they're so young, he's just like, I want that. Or mama, give me that. When he talks <laughs> like it toddler and I'd say to Enzo in this house we don't speak to each other like that that's an iteration of our values that I'm trying to pass on to my son and that's the beauty of these things when you're really clear about these things in your family it's it's creating the boundaries for how you behave with each other yeah and this thing's just come into my mind that I actually wanted to talk about today because it's been it's been something I've been noticing it everywhere and it's been driving me a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. And it's this thing that I notice people doing, which is like a lot of judging. So mm-hmm. I really have been noticing, I think since what's happened to Steph and I, it's made me extremely aware of the way that people talk about other people. And I really notice what a tendency people have to be like, that they're referring to their friends and then they give you a headline about them. And the headline mm-hmm. is like, oh, they've had such a hard life. Or, oh, like they've lost both their children, they lost both their parents when they were a child. Or, oh, they went through, they they give you like this bad news headline or like they were in an abusive relationship. And I'm like, that's literally not your information to share anyway. Yeah. But also I don't want people to be like, that's Kaya, like she lost her child. Because it's giving you, it's yes and. That did happen to me, but it, why are we telling like the lowlights of somebody? Why are we saying, oh, they really struggle with, they've struggled with depression. Like, why wouldn't we just say they're an amazing mother of three Mm -hmm. or whatever it is? I I think people should just tune in and check themselves when they are talking about other people and notice whether it's that pity thing again. I think that's why it drives me so crazy is because we give people, we give this label of somebody that's basically a judgment of pity. We're like, this is so, and this is why like you should pity them. Do you yeah, know what I mean? it's setting that context and it's stopping you from actually finding out about the person because somebody has already created the context around them. And I always used to hate that when I was growing up. And I definitely found it amongst girl groups when there was that level of bitchiness. It was someone would introduce someone behind their back and say, oh, they're really not. They're, they're OK, but they're blah, blah, blah. And they tell you something that they had done. And I remember I used to always say to people, do you know what? I'm just going to find out about this person on my own without letting that cloud my judgment it was just because I remember it had happened to me that people had said stuff about me and then people decided based on that information rather than actually meeting me that they didn't like me yeah and the thing that women are still doing it and people are still doing it and now it's not bitchy it's pity yeah and it's like but it's the same negative thing you're being like oh poor them and it's pities that's judgment yeah yeah and it's again it's like noticing because I think I really keep my I've been noticing my husband doing it when he talks about people Mm. and I'm like literally I can't be doing with all of these like 
you're always telling me the pity story and then I meet some people like members of his family and I'm like they're literally amazing yeah. but like the story that like you and your rest of your family were telling me I just don't get it and it's because it's like the low lights yeah you're so right why do we do that because we think that pity's great we're always pitying everybody it's like a acceptable form of judgment whereas like bitchiness yeah. isn't it's all poor them yeah yeah it's almost like it's a, an acceptable form of gossip it's like telling you their kind of their backstory but actually and like what's happened to you and Steph that doesn't define you it's part of your story it's part of your journey and you're in the middle of it right now but it doesn't mean that it's this is Kaya she lost her child Yeah. And I think with a lot of people, when I really notice the things that people say, they are saying things that are not their business to say. No, you're right. It's like they give quite as if like behind the scenes details that are negative. You said something to me last week, which I've been thinking about this word over and over again in my head, which is this idea of radical responsibility, that we all are responsible to ourselves and we're responsible for how we show up in the world. And we're And I really feel that as a population of people that we've actually become very passive. We've become passive in our lives. And for years, I was really passive in my life. I hate my job. Yeah. I have anxiety. I I don't have enough money. All these kinds of things. You're a victim. I've totally just putting myself. It needs pity. (laughs) Putting myself in that victim mode. And it's my life has completely changed since I started being intentional with my life and going, okay, how is it that I want to feel? What is it that I want to have? Setting myself those goals and actually getting out of other people's, because we talked about this before that I would always try and inspire people by telling them what to do, which is, that is not. Get in your own lane. Get in your own lane. And it's like, business. Your fucking business. Stop telling me what to do. I know it worked for you. And it's, I have actually gotten so much closer with my family. I've gotten so much closer with my sisters. I, I have noticed a real shift in the energy in my family since I stopped getting involved and just started doing my own thing. And they can see the benefits that's brought to my life. And then they come to you, people come to you with questions and say, like, how are you doing this? What's happening? So there's just, there's something in that. It's just this whole radical responsibility. I am responsible for myself. And the words that come out of my mouth. And it's rather than talking about something else that somebody's going through, why don't you just talk about what you're going through and what you're struggling with? And you can share and be vulnerable rather than judge somebody else. Because that's the only thing that we actually know for sure is what our experiences at a particular time. And I know that in this one of the things that's I think interesting about when something happens to you that's quite shocking and traumatic Mm. is that if you share with people will come up to you and they'll tell you things that they would never have told you if you hadn't have had this experience like yeah if you share with people because you are vulnerable it's almost like it gives them a pass to be vulnerable too and I've had some amazing kind of conversations with people out the blue where they've just reached out to me and shared something because they've we've been talking about it or they've heard something on the podcast and I think that's you can influence people by sharing your journey and by sharing the things that you're struggling with and also your highs right the journey just being in life with people and when you're having a great day saying I'm having a great day this happened not feeling like you need to dumb yourself down and Mm -hmm. equally when you're struggling sharing that with your friends because I think that gives permission for everyone to to share and people not to feel guilty about bringing 
their struggles and also not to feel guilty about bringing their wins. Absolutely. And human beings are, we are really complex creatures. And I saw it on your Instagram the other day and it really resonated with me that you're on the plane to Spain and you said, I am heartbroken, but I'm also excited. And you mentioned all those different emotions that can exist in the same space in time in one human brain, do you know, but we tend to dumb ourselves down to these two dimensional creatures, which is Kaya's grieving right now. So she's really sad and we need to be really careful around her and she can't be happy. And it's no, you can actually be really excited about this next move and this next chapter, but you can also be heartbroken over what happened. So what would you say from this week have been your highs, your lows, and what did you learn? So my highs and my lows. I I think my low was really just that moment before I, Stephen said, I I think you should get out of bed. (laughs) When you're like in the, the worst of it and I was, the antibiotics hadn't fully kicked in and I was just, it was, the judge was like totally running the show and I was just feeling absolutely shit and terrible about myself and I was having a pity party and it was just a really shit low vibration emotion to be in that I'd been in for a few days I think that was my low um my high was right speaking of radical responsibility I had a really nice interaction with my husband which where he was in a funk over something so we had ordered a new camera for my office setup which was 250 euro because my other one had broken because the battery had, I don't know, it had short circuited and overheated and it had zapped my other camera. And so we went and we spent 250 euro. Stephen went out and he got the camera and he was just busy. It was a busy morning. All these people were in our house. Enzo was there. All these other kids were there. I think Stephen was just overwhelmed and he wasn't thinking. And he put the old battery into the new camera and it just blew the camera immediately. So 250 quid gone. And this is the kind of thing that drives Stephen absolutely in. And he's like, he's such a perfectionist around technology. And he's like, really, this is his area. And so he just really got into a huge funk. And I didn't get involved, which was, and it was a really amazing huge win. It was a huge win. Because usually what I do is be, I'd be like trying to make him feel better. Get over and it. then when he's not feeling better, because I'm trying to force him there, I'd get annoyed. So... Instead, I just said, I understand how much this sort of stuff upsets you. You've had a a really busy day. And that morning I had opened the car and I I crushed Enzo's fingers in the car door. And I said, look, you need to take a nap. Go. It's been too intense. Go take some space. We're due to go to a kid's birthday party. And I said, you come down whenever you're ready. But I just want to remind you this morning, we thought that I had broken Enzo's fingers. (laughs) So I was like. Does that put it in perspective how much this doesn't matter? And he just, he went off and he had a break. And then when he came back, he just came and gave me a big kiss. And he said, thank you so much. That's what I needed. And it was just a really nice interaction that in the past could have been a very negative interaction. So that for me was like these practices. And I've learned so much from you and Kaya in this, into leaning into high vibration emotions, not getting involved, staying in my own lane. And that was it in practice. And it just felt really good. High-fiving you. So what did you learn Mm -hmm. this week? I learned, oh, I learned the power of writing, the power of writing things down. 
and the power of not letting the judge tell you lies. If you are feeling overwhelmed, write down what's making you overwhelmed. And then you'll realize that actually there's not as much there as you thought. Amazing. What about you? Tell me. My high this week was just hanging out with like my OG family for. Yeah. So like my mum, my dad, my sister and our little dog Elvis. And we went out for brunch and we had dinner together. We were just hanging out. It was just really nourishing and fun. Mm. I think the word is it, it was fun. Um, and it, it's funny because I think we went out for my dad's 70th for lunch, like earlier this year and at, at meal we were like god it's ages since the four of us were just together because mm-hmm. you always got your partners along and I think that it was really nice then but like this just before we left I had these couple of days where it was like my sister lives just up the road and it was I was staying with my parents before Steph came back to London and it was just it was really it was a high I think my low this week was being in overwhelmed by grief and Mm. having that kind of trauma coming up again and what I learned is that that's going to happen on this journey and it's not the new normal and I think that in in some weird way being in that real low was helpful because when I came out I literally woke up it lasted for about two or three days and when Mm -hmm. I woke up one day I just it was gone Really, So I think it was powerful to know that even if I'm even if I'm back in a place where I'm like, there is this fear that is this the new normal, just Mm -hmm. knowing that it's not. And were you doing anything during those three days to get yourself out of it or were you letting yourself just be in it and feel it? I was just telling myself that you just have to get through the day and Mm -hmm. it's one foot in front of the other. And I was forcing myself out of bed because that bed doesn't work for me. Like lying around does not work for me. I think I need to get out in nature. Movement really works. It was the same like when Luca, like just when he had died, like the few days after me and Steph were walking like 10 Ks a day. We went on Mm -hmm. these like crazy hikes up a mountain and stuff. And I think I just needed to move my body. I needed to be in my body to get out of my mind. Yeah. I know that I don't want to lie around, it makes it worse. The two things that really work for me are movement and also reading. I think losing myself in some really good fiction, which I have received in abundance from my amazing friends and has been so great because I've got so many good books and I've been reading like a fiend. Mm-hmm. But reading is very transparent transportive it can move Mm. you into a completely different space and you can lose yourself in it Um, and I think at those times your mind is not your friend your mind is trying to pull you into in my case it's flashbacks and trauma and when I do some movement that's when I can release I can cry and I can get Mm -hmm. the get that energy moving and get that the pain that that I, I am happy to miss my son because I loved him so much. Of yeah. course I miss him, but that's different. Again, it's that separation between trauma and his actual life. Um, so on that note, I would love to leave listeners with a couple of actions or uncomfortable actions that I invite you or we invite you to lean into this week. And the first one is to be vulnerable with a friend, tell them something that you're struggling with at the moment. And the second one is to share a win. Tell one of your friends something that you did that you're really proud of or that went really well, because that is how we start to change the energy of the groups around us is by making these things 
more normal. And it probably won't feel that comfortable the first time that you do it, that you share with somebody something that you're struggling with, or it might even be more uncomfortable to share a win. But we want to share our lives with people. We want to be connected with our friends. We want to have real in-depth richness to the relationships in our lives and to the conversations that we have. So I dare you. I love it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Chat to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. If anything we talked about today resonated and you know a woman who needs to hear this too, please send her the episode and help us keep the movement going because women helping women only makes us stronger. To stay up to date on our latest episodes and the guests joining us, follow the She's Electric podcast on LinkedIn and Instagram. The music is Teenage Songbird by Forte, used with permission from the artist. We hope to see you again soon. Thank you.